Well, I have the privilege of introducing you to two wonderful people. Can you guys, and online, you can clap, but it might be a little weird. Uh, would you just give me, would you join me in welcoming Dan and Tina Gibbs? Hi, you guys. So good to have them with us. So if you don't know Dan and Tina, because there might be some of you, uh, so they are mission partners in Nigeria, and they work at GEMBU, which stands for, I always want to make sure I get it right, GEMBU Center for HIV AIDS Advocacy Nigeria. But here's the cool thing, and you're going to get to hear a little bit from, from Dan today. It's, it's grown into way more than that. And it's just amazing how God's had his fingertips on this, and it's expanded into so many different areas. And I'm not... I'm not over-exaggerating when I say that Gembu has had a nationwide impact. And I'm not kidding. I, I believe that. I've heard the stats. I believe that. God is using it. It's super cool. So we're glad to have them with us. But before I hand the, the uh, microphone to Dan here, I'd, I, want you, I want you to join me in doing something. And whether you're online or you're here in the audience, if you're online, you can just bow your head. But here, we want to pray over Dan and Tina. And I wish we could do the hands-on thing, but we're not going to do that, you know. But we do want to pray over them. So, hey, if you're here with us live, would you just extend your hand out? We want to pray over Dan and Tina. We want to bless them today uh, in, in uh, their ministry. Join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for a beautiful Sunday morning. The sunshine, a, ch a chance to gather, uh, either virtually or even live, God. We're just so glad to be here. Thanks for Dan and Tina, their willingness to come to share with us this morning. We're going to hear encouraging things. We're going to hear updates but I believe Dan also is going to challenge us, challenge our hearts on some level. And so, Lord, we just say we're ready for that. Uh, speak to us this morning through Dan. just want to pray over Dan and Tina physically as well. They've both had surgeries in the past two weeks, which is amazing to me that they're even here. But, God, you have put your finger on them, and you've made them well. So I ask that you continue to strengthen them physically, make them strong, God. Be with Dan's words. May he be articulate today. May he speak truths that we need to hear. And God, help us to receive them. We pray your covering over Gembu right now in Nigeria. All the staff, all the people they're impacting, continue to use that location to do incredible ministry for the kingdom, God. We pray, we ask all these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thanks, you guys. We're going to hand it over to Dan. Okay. <clears throat> well, we just want to first off say thank you for having us back. <laughs> and thank you for your prayers. This has been really an interesting year for us. There is, um, I keep hearing about this new normal we're going to have. And we're going to have this new normal. We have been over a year since we've been back to Nigeria now. We arrived back in the States in July of last year. We were set to travel in uh, right early in October. And at the end of September, I had a stroke. And uh, it was a good thing that we were here. God was really watching out for us. We were actually uh, in the cities, and we were able to get to Mercy Hospital. And I got the clot buster, and, and things were, uh, had been progressing along. Um, I did have a second stroke on October 30th, so our second, we bought tickets again for Nigeria, so our second travel was postponed, and so we, uh, and then we wanted to run a bunch of tests and do stuff, and then we had to be in 
California for some converge meetings in January, and then we had to be in Connecticut for some churches that we were going to be that are supporting us there, and uh, and then COVID hit, and so it's been over a year since we've been back to Nigeria. Um, this is actually, I didn't tell Josh but this is actually the first time I've done it in entire service since I had my stroke. So um, things are going to be okay, probably, um, we hope. But uh, so if I stumble on a few words and uh, things don't come out quite right, uh, grant me a little bit of grace and I will try to articulate uh, the, as best I can. But in all of that, thank you for your, your prayers. I had... Uh, ablation surgery uh, about a week and a half ago, and that was uh, successful. At least the surgery was successful. That we have to wait a few weeks to see exactly what uh, that uh, outcome is, of that is, and maybe up to six months. And uh, and thank you for praying for Tina. Uh, we barely got out of the hospital uh, to with my surgery, and we found out that Tina had a blood clot in her leg and also in her lungs, and they did a CT scan, and she had several blood clots in her lungs, and as well as between her lungs, and, and that was next to her heart, so they were concerned about that, and they found uh, a blood clot that basically extends all the way from her ankle uh, to her groin, so uh, they're working on clearing that out, and she's taking blood thinners now, so we're hoping to return to Nigeria in Uh, early October, but we don't know. Uh, Currently, they are talking about uh, uh, allowing travel in uh, October. So at this point, we're just kind of on hold and waiting. uh, And uh, we're waiting to see what the new normal is going to be. Uh, we're, We're still trying to, I'm still trying to understand what the new normal is after a stroke. And then there's been so many things that have come uh, since then. It's uh, really remarkable to see. But anyway, I want to give you a quick update on what's going on in Nigeria. For those that, that don't know us, we attended here at Edinburgh Church for about 18 years. Tina was on staff. She was the early childhood director uh, for Edinburgh Church for many uh, of those years. And uh, the uh, first picture I want to just show you is of our family. Uh, We have two boys. They are uh, in their 30s along with our daughter-in-law, Katie. And they are, uh, uh, our oldest son, Andrew, is here in the cities. And our youngest son, uh, Robert and Katie, are in Wilmington, North Carolina. And we've had the opportunity to spend a little time with him this year. So that's been, been really uh, exciting to be able to do that. And then to talk a little bit about, and, and I could go on and on about our family and, and just the things that God has done for us and, and the incredible things. But I just want to give you a brief introduction to our calling to Nigeria. You know, I told you that Tina uh, was on staff here. Um, I was a a business manager. That's my background. I'm certainly not uh, a, uh, a trained missionary. Uh, we think of people going to school for years to, to be a missionary, and that wasn't our background at all. But um, our calling was uh, interesting, and we really, in uh, 2010, is really when we felt that God was calling us to something different. And we took that time to really pray and just ask God what he's doing for us. So uh, there's a 
some things that will come up on the screen. I'm not going to read them to you, and you can just kind of uh, uh, read them to yourself. But up until 2014, uh, we were in a, a land when we didn't know exactly where we were going. And in 2014, we finally got to Nigeria. And now we're back in this land where we know that God has something for us and we know that there are things that we're going to be going through, but we don't know exactly when it's going to be and we feel like we're kind of trapped in between again. So um, we'll see what God has for us and where we know he's working in our lives. He's taking very good care of us and so we're excited about that. So a little geography lesson. If you don't know where Nigeria is, uh, I've got a map here of Africa, which uh, shows where Nigeria is on the continent of Africa. And, uh, oh, the, it's kind of doesn't show up really well, but, but um, the town of Gambu is in the, kind of in the, in the very uh, um, eastern side of Nigeria, and we're very close to the border with Cameroon. Uh, we've had a lot of refugees coming in our area with the conflicts that have been going on in Cameroon. But, um, but that's where the, the town of Gambu is, very remote uh, village. To give you an idea of what's been going on in Nigeria's population, if we look at this chart, it gives you an idea of where the population growth has been in Nigeria. Uh, in Nigeria, the uh, in 1990, the population of Nigeria was about 90 million people. Uh, and that has grown uh, till where we're in uh, 2010, I mean, uh, 2019, the population of Nigeria was over uh, 201 million people. With the current population and growth rates uh, in 30 years, so by 2050, there will be over 400 million people living in Nigeria we will surpass the United States in population. And if we go forward another 50 years, uh, we'll almost double in population again. So there's a huge population growth going on in Nigeria. Uh, and, and that all happens in a very small area. Uh, the the landmass of Nigeria is about 10% of the United States. So if you took three points and you took like Chicago, New York City, and Atlanta, Georgia, and kind of lined that up on a, on a map, that would give you the idea of the land mass of where uh, Nigeria is at compared to the United States. So we're going to have uh, double the population uh, in, in uh, uh, 80 years in that space as compared to what uh, there is in, in uh, the United States. Um, Sorry. Oh, yeah. We get uh, asked quite often where the Boko Haram is active in Nigeria. And I just put this, this is a little bit older map, but I put this up because it really shows you where the, the, the majority of the, uh, uh, the Boko Haram activity is. It's really in the northern side of Nigeria. We really have not really Boko Haram activity in our area, so it's not thing that, things that we worry about. We have more tribal fighting in our area. We have, uh, there are over uh, 530 tribes living in Nigeria, and each one of those uh, feels that, that uh, they are the premier tribe, of course, and so even in our area, we have a lot of tribal fighting that goes on uh, there. 
So the next picture is just a, a shot of towards Cameroon. Um, maybe if you didn't know, you might think this was someplace in the upper Midwest. Uh, this is a, a really a beautiful country, a beautiful area. We are at about a 6,000 foot elevation. At 6,000 feet, our climate is really pretty uh, comfortable. We have <clears throat> most of our days get into the, the uh, 80s and 90s, and then at night it'll drop into the 50s, so that, that, uh, that elevation really helps a lot with the climate. The uh, next picture is actually looking back into town. The town of Cambu is about 20,000 people, and there are um, no uh, running water, uh, no... Uh, electricity, no flush toilets. Uh, it, it really is a, a, a really primitive uh, town, a city. The art compound is actually right in the foreground uh, and then looking back towards the, the, uh, the city of Gambu. And this uh, next one, we have a little video uh, flyover of uh, the, the compound itself. And if you want to start that video... So as you come, this fence is the uh, beginning of our compound right there. And you can see our gardens that come up on the fence there. The uh, first building there is our office area. And our home is directly below that, uh, underneath that. And then uh, off to the left is our guest house. And then further to the left is our training center, uh, the technical school. And then even further left is some staff housing. The uh, building up coming up on the right is where our workshop is, where we build furniture and other things. Uh, you'll see the generators uh, building next, and that's, there's tanks on the top of that building that we pump water to, so we have running water on our compound. The building that's right below us is the restaurant where we uh, serve meals, and then all of the buildings down in this area are the, the hospital buildings. Uh, we have... Uh, ward space, we have about uh, 45 beds now, and then the lab is here, the uh, uh, general clinic area is here, a pharmacy, and the building, it's uh, kind of the, the darkest green roof coming up, is actually the building that we just remodeled as our uh, infectious ward. So, and then that's the, the end of our compound right there. <laughs> So that gives you kind of just a general idea of what the, uh, the uh, kind of things that we're working with in Nigeria and just exactly what the, the, uh, uh, the conditions are there. Um, again, these are so many things that I talk so much about when we want to move forward. We went to uh, Nigeria in 2014, and they were... Uh, Art and Dorothy Helwig started the, the ministry in Nigeria, and they came there in 2003, 2004, and got started, and they were able to secure a large grant from USAID, and that grant was actually coming to a close uh, when we arrived in Nigeria. So at that point, uh, when we arrived, we really sat down and took some time with our staff and talked about where our where we were going and what God was calling us to. And we came up with a mission statement at the beginning of 2015, really trying to describe that. And so I'll read it to you, and it, I think it'll be on the screen too. Our mission statement is to glorify God, providing sustainable community services to Nigeria, specifically the Mambilla Plateau, with the intent and purpose of advancing the kingdom of God 
through the demonstration of compassion and the love of God in the lives of its staff. There's two kind of points in this that we'll talk about. The first one is uh, we're here to glorify God. It doesn't matter where we're at on the face of this earth. We were created to glorify God. That's why we're here. We might think we're here to get that new bass boat, but we're here to glorify God. And the second thing that's on that statement is we're here to advance the kingdom of God. That's a great commission that Jesus left us with, was to advance the kingdom of God. So in Nigeria, we are there to glorify God and to advance the kingdom of God. And the rest of the statement talks about where we're doing that, but it also talks about how we're going to do that. And it says, through the demonstration of compassion and the love of God in the lives of his staff. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but I just want to highlight that we're there to show them Jesus' love. So our part, as we look at at being in Nigeria and uh, what we are called to do in Nigeria, we look at it as our four E's. uh, Equip, empower, encourage, and when the time is right, exit. We're there to equip. We're there to provide the tools, uh, the, the, uh, uh, all the things that we need to be able to do ministry in Nigeria. We're there to empower. We're there to provide the training, to uh, help with any kind of training that we can to, again, further the ministry, and then encourage. And we've been doing a lot of that lately because we can do that remotely. We've been doing a lot of encouragement with our staff in Nigeria. And then when the time is right, we expect to exit. Uh, Certainly, our lives are like a a vapor, and it's becoming more and more clear to us now that that vapor is dying. Um, It, it, uh, you know, it's really weird when you're the same age as old people. (laughs) Just doesn't seem right. But we know that we can't be there forever. And so we have to bring on leaders that will help uh, further the ministry and continue to keep things going and uh, be able to carry on when we leave. So I just put a few pictures up of some of the things that are going on. Um, the, uh, we have several different areas of leadership and I, uh, things that we're, we're dealing with. We talk a lot about healthcare. Healthcare is, is the thing that gets do- top billing when we're in Nigeria. And we've got program goals uh, for healthcare. We've got program goals for leadership development, program goals for women's ministry, programs goals for uh, children's ministry, and then, of course, uh, with our technical school and the technical training. So over the next few uh, slides are just some quick pictures of the different things that are, are part of uh, the, the ministry. And uh, the, the, uh, certainly the hospital is a big one. And the hospital ministry is probably uh, 60% of our staff is involved in hospital ministry. We have about 80 staff in Nigeria. They are all Nigerians. They are all uh, nationals. Uh, probably uh, two-thirds of them are from our area, uh, right where we're at. And, uh, and so, so that's the staff that we have in Nigeria. Uh, the, the hospital itself, 
we have lab technicians, we have doctors, we have pharmacists, all of those things are part of the staff. And this is just uh, some quick pictures of the, the hospital and clinic. And uh, our, this is the waiting room, the center picture there. And this is really an area that uh, in Nigeria, you don't make an appointment. You actually come to the hospital and the clinic. And when the doctor can see you, he sees you. So you might wait uh, some time. And this is an area where our, our, our chaplain has really been able to have devotions with people and uh, go on ward rounds with people, and, and that's been really effective for us. We try to do outreach clinics. Our goal is to have an outreach clinic every month. Uh, we're not there yet, and uh, COVID has uh, restricted us a little bit. But this is a, a time when we take uh, 80 eight or ten of our staff to a remote village and we actually do a clinic. We'll do HIV testing and, and do all kinds of testing and uh, we'll, our, our optometrist will go with and pe- fit people for glasses and uh, just uh, uh, nurses and pharmacists and, and all that stuff and hopefully we're finding things that we can uh, make the quality of life pad- better for people that are there. Uh, we also have uh, the... Uh, 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 in school programs, our staff has created a curriculum that we work with in the schools, uh, teaching uh, health topics all the way from hepatitis to even eye health. And all of those things, our staff has had a part of the curriculum creating that. And it really helps us to be able to get into those schools and create uh, connections with people and, uh, and, and be able to just show them again Jesus' love. Uh, Days for Girls. Uh, Days for Girls is a program that we make a uh, washable, reusable feminine hygiene product for girls and women. And basically it's designed so that they get more days back in their life. They don't have anything to use for feminine hygiene. And they can take these kits and wash them and they can, if they take care of them, they'll last uh, two to three years. So it really is a good thing. Uh, Awana, uh, we've been able to help... uh, churches with their uh, children's ministry and being able to go into the churches and start Awana clubs and train them how to do Awana clubs. Uh, Right now there's about 25 Awana clubs going in our area uh, with uh, different different churches and into the remote areas. And some of them are are quite small and some of them are a little bit larger. Um, And then there are after school programs we're doing. Uh, We do a Every day of the week, there's a group of children that come after school, and each day of the week is a, excuse me, is a different group, and there could be 25 or 30 kids, and it's a program that Tina's been working with a lot, and we have two teachers that actually are, are working in that program too, and they're teaching the kids how to read and write. Many of them, even in the school, um, they're expected to learn how to read and write uh, before they get to school, and sometimes their parents don't know how to do that. So teaching them how to read and write is really an important thing. Uh, English is a trade language in Nigeria, and parents want their children to learn English above their tribal language too because that's how they'll be successful. So it gives a really good opportunity to use Bible stories and Bible verses for memorization and doing a lot of things to be able to really teach kids how to read and write through Bible stories. And then we also have math classes too. Um, The uh, other thing is uh, the, I talked a little bit about leadership 
we're really working with our staff on leadership, training our staff how to be better leaders, but we're also working with the community too. We have uh, several events that go on throughout the year that we teach leadership uh, principles and how to be better leaders. And so this is just a shot of some pastors and, that came in for uh, a leadership uh, event. And then our technical school. Uh, we actually have a, a technical training school where we teach kids how to have their own business. We have about a, a dozen trades that we teach, including uh, tailoring, hairdressing, barbering, uh, masonry, um, motorcycle repair, furniture, uh, carpentry, uh, auto body repair, community business center, cell phone repair, knitting, and welding. Those are all uh, classes that they take. The first step is teaching them how to read and write and do basic math. Most of the other kids are 18, 25 years old, and they still don't know how to read or write. And so teaching them that first, then they work into an apprenticeship program where they spend uh, uh, one to three years in an apprenticeship program learning that trade, learning how to do that trade. And then they also come back for business classes where you teach them how to do budgeting, how to deal with customers, and all the things that go with that too. So... That's just a, a really quick snapshot of, of what's going on in Nigeria. Uh, each one of those programs, we could spend the, the entire uh, time talking about how that program works and how it's been working with children and the, the changes it's making in kids. We have one kid that we've talked about several times in the technical training program where he got into the wrong crowd, he was hanging with the wrong crowd, his father was, had passed, and his mother didn't know what to do with him, and somehow he got connected with the technical training program, and his life completely turned around. Uh, he started coming back to church again, he got involved with uh, some kids from the church, and, and really uh, his life just completely turned around because of that. And it, it's hard to, to really express exactly what those kind of things mean uh, to, uh, to, the, to the parents even. His, his mom was just beside herself. Uh, even just before we left Nigeria, uh, she came to my office and she again just thanked us for, for coming and doing the things that, that we do here. So when we got to Nigeria, uh, one of the things that Art Helwig told us, the founder of Yechen, is that nobody really cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's not really a new principle. Uh, it's, it's an old principle. It's actually a principle that was practiced by the early church I would like to read to you out of uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, starting with verse 42 and uh, on down. <clears throat> and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were willing to sell their possessions and belongings and distribute all the proceeds, proceeds to all as any that had need. And day by day, attending a temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number 
day by day those who are being saved. Let's pray. Father, as we just take a a few remaining minutes to, to look at your word and to examine the early church and some of the things that were going on in the early church, Father, we just pray that you'll just touch our hearts. Help us to maybe take a trip back and understand just exactly what helped the early church to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This movement that took place in the early church, the movement called the Way, uh, certainly they weren't called Christians at that point, but we'll call them Christians as, as we talk about it. It changed things so much. Jesus taught a whole new way of doing things. Things were not done this way. Christianity treated women better than all other religions did. All other religions looked at women as property. And Jesus gave value to women. Jesus gave value to children. He said, let the little children come to me. He wanted to see the children. Christians regarded, regarded, sometimes words don't come, Christians regarded all human life as sacred and thus had more children than pagans did. Christianity was open to all other ethnicities. Christianity teaches that humans are bearers of God's image on earth. Christians were characterized by uncommon joy. Christians were known by their love. Christianity radically and attractively redefined the God-to-man and man-to-man relationships. This was a whole new thing that happened. In the early church, and I'd, I'd love to spend a whole gob of time just looking at how the early church grew. They talked about, in the verses we read, about having everything in common. They cared about people. They showed compassion. There were times in the Roman world that people were just thrown out in the street because there was no value in human life. And the Christians took those people in. It didn't matter what they had. If they had leprosy or what was going on with them, they took them in and showed compassion. They made sure that they were cared for. Certainly the early believers were living their faith, not merely going to church. They did not attend church, they were the church. In his book, The Rise of Christianity, Rodney Stark gives this insight as a contrast from the religion of the day. Mercy was regarded in pagan society as a character defect because it involves providing unearned help or relief. It was deemed contrary to justice and therefore irrational. Pity, too, was regarded as a vice rather than a virtue 
because it was thought to be based on impulsiveness. Christianity, however, teaches that humans are bearers of God's image on earth and therefore ought to seek to mimic, mimic his moral character. Uh, moral characteristics and attributes, a chief of which are mercy and pity. God shows us mercy when we did not deserve it. So why shouldn't we likewise show mercy to others? The early Christians embraced those whom the Greeks and Romans considered useless to society. Orphans, beggars, elderly, the disabled, the church not only included such outcasts in their community, but showed them that they had value. Christianity provided a superior sense of belonging and purpose than Rome did, and so converts were added daily. How does this compare to the church we see today? The church that we see today has no tolerance for anything. I see so many people on Facebook, if you don't believe the way they believe, you're an idiot, you're an outcast. If you don't believe what I believe, you're worthless. Is that the way that Jesus taught? In John 13, Jesus talking to his disciples said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so also you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you will love one another. One of the reasons that the early church grew so rapidly because they went about their lives demonstrating Jesus' love. We live in a world today if we go back to my first statement, we're determined to let people know how much we know. In our DNA, it seems, we have come to the point where my rights determine my actions, and you're going to know what I know. And I'm 100% right. And no one else's thoughts, convictions mean anything. We no longer value them as people. And then we wonder why the church isn't growing. Again, think about that early church. Think about the love they showed to people. The next time you think about I need to tell this person what I know. Think back about that little statement. Nobody cares how much you know till they know how much you care. A few years ago, we had a challenge with uh, some of our staff, uh, maybe not uh, speaking with some other staff like they should, or maybe... Um, treating patients not the way they should. And we kind of got together as a leadership team and said, how do we do this? How do we make this 
uh, how do we remind people how to treat the other people? And I actually wrote a devotional that talks about a pineapple, and I'm going to try and read that to you. Um, hopefully I can make it through. <clears throat> the pineapple. As we look at the exterior of the pineapple, we discover a few things. The pineapple wears, appears to be wearing a crown on its head. It also has a very prickly skin with pokers sticking out all around. This crown reminds us that we can think very highly of ourselves, thinking that we are better than others, thinking I'm good to this or that. The prickly skin can also remind us that sometimes we treat others roughly. We show our prickly skin by not respecting them, by not showing them the proper consideration, by not showing them how Jesus loves them. When we cut the pineapple open, we find that it has a sweet fruit inside. So the first question is this, what's in your heart? Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart. If you can say that your heart is right, then Matthew 5, 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We could say, Let the people that you come in contact with each day and every day not see you as one who thinks they're better than everyone else, or that you have a rough and negative ex exterior, always rubbing people the wrong way. Let the people you see every day see the sweet fruit that you have inside. Let them see Jesus coming through you. <clears throat> it really helped our staff a lot. And we use it kind of a little bit in a comical way because we allowed our staff to, um, if they were passing by somebody and they weren't really acting the way they should, we just said, just say pineapple. Nobody else knows what we're talking about. But that triggers something in our memory that, hey, I'm not showing Jesus love. I need to show Jesus love. So, I don't care what you do, but if you think about this little story, and as you go throughout your days, think about the pineapple, and how if you rubbed a pineapple on somebody's back, you'd get a pretty nasty burn. Is that the way you rub people? Do you rub people the wrong way? Or are you let, letting Jesus' love show through you? Are you allowing Jesus to use you? I want to just challenge you the next time you're going to show how much people, how much you know to somebody, just step back and say, first off, is it kind? Does it even need to be said? 
And let's use the example of the pineapple to remind us of that. Uh, I'm apparently passed out of time, and uh, I really would like to say so much more, but we'll leave it at that. But I do want to tell you a little bit about where we're going to in the future. Uh, Converge has asked us to lead a a initiative to the uh, Gotel Mountains of Nigeria. Uh, the mountain re- mountainous region we're in is called the Gotel Mountains. Uh, it is a full bay term. Uh, Gotel is the coming together of one, and so we really thought that it was a, a, a good term to use, kind of like a play on the Gotel and on the mountains. But uh, there are several least reached peoples group right in our area of Nigeria, and we have opportunities to go other places too. So in this initiative, we're really asking God uh, to be able to, um, we're, we're asking God for 65% of the least reached peoples groups having at least 5% of their population following Christ and gathering it in disciple-making communities. You know, being in a disciple-making community is the key to living a life pleasing to God. We need to be in community. We need to be able to share together. We need to be able to grow together. It's really important. <clears throat> we feel that if we can get at least 65% going that direction, it's going to have a snowball effect and, and it's going to sweep not just our mountainous area of, of uh, Nigeria, but even beyond that. And so we're l- really excited about that. We are looking for uh, additional people to join, join us in Nigeria. Um, we, with the, the added load of the GoTel initiative, uh, we need somebody else to come and help us with the leadership and training and development. So if you want to broadcast that to everybody you know. Certainly, if you want to join us in Nigeria, we welcome to have you. But uh, if you want to broadcast that to everybody and talk a little bit about that, that'd be great. And sometime in the near future, we're hoping to be able to have a team come from Edbrook and help us with some of the other things we have going on. Um, We were planning on early next year, and we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, There's a a slide here I've got uh, for contact information. And uh, the best thing I would say is catch up with Tina on Facebook. Uh, Tina is really good about posting pictures and a lot of things that are going on in Nigeria and really being able to uh, have that updated information all the time. So connect with her on Facebook. And and, but we, we have a website and there are uh, back on a table when you go out, there's some our prayer cards, and you can, uh, you can uh, go to our website and sign up for our newsletter, too. So thank you so much for allowing us to be here, and uh, we, we love this family, and it's really great to see you again. Thank you.